Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. From Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the recruiting trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle? Or War Eagle. That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Everybody, Brandon Marcello here. Thanks for joining me on the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Uh, Auburn coming off a uh, 23-20 loss at number two LSU. A lot of fans not happy. Uh, with the offensive performance, final score looks very good on paper, but man, fans seem really upset. And uh, we're going to get into that a little bit. This is going to be more of a Q&A session here. Consider it a therapy session after Auburn's loss at LSU. Um, you know, I think the reason why fans are so upset is because Auburn loses games particularly these last three years, not because of its defense, but because of the offense. And the offense isn't performing well in these big games on the road. And Gus Malzahn hasn't had a big road win since 2015. Or wait, no, hold on. 2014, excuse me. When Auburn went to Ole Miss and beat Ole Miss when both teams were in the top 10. And... I, th- I think that bothers folks quite a bit. Um, and that was the last time Auburn had an explosive offense on the road was in 2014. You know, obviously 2017, Auburn had those two fantastic uh, performances against Alabama and Georgia uh, to win the SEC West. But both of those games were at home. The issue is on the road, it's just like Auburn's offense is just stuck in mud and it literally was at LSU, the muddy field. Um, the offense couldn't do anything. I mean, the average third down distance was 12 yards. Penalties, negative plays, just didn't get it done. Um, and I know a lot of you have questions about the offense, and we're going to get to them um, in this Q&A session. I asked you on Twitter, hey, shoot me your questions. I'll do my best to answer them, and uh, you guys follow through. Quite a few questions. So, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to I'm going to go through these one by one and answer them for you. We're not going to talk about the LSU Auburn game per se and go over it because listen, this is 2019. You've already watched the game, you've read the articles about it, you've heard what coaches have had to say. We'll get a, we'll touch on that those things, but I'm not going to repeat things that you guys already know about the game. We're not going to relive the game. Remember that third and two play? I mean, we're not going to do that. So we're going to answer your questions here on the Auburn Undercover Podcast. It's about you anyway, you know, and I'll do my best to answer these questions. So here we go with a Q&A session. This is your old therapy session. First question comes from Jim Rutan. 
I hope I'm saying that correctly, Jim. Who is in the mix for the next Auburn head coach? Uh, this uh, up-and-comer um, by the name of Gus Malzahn. Listen, um, Gus Malzahn, as of today, from just talking to people, he's not getting fired this season, guys. Unless, you know, something crazy happens. They lose to Ole Miss. And they lose to Alabama and Georgia as well. Then there's some fire there on the seat. You know, the most important game of the season for Gus Malzahn as far as employment is this week against Ole Miss. It's not Georgia or Alabama. Sure, fans and boosters and all them want Gus to win against Alabama and Georgia, but you lose to Ole Miss who at home when you're 5-1 against them. Uh, that doesn't look good. But listen, as it stands right now, Gus is not getting fired. It's just not happening. John Taylor asks, is there any way I can call in during the podcast? Uh, John, um, yeah, here's the number. You got a pen? I'll let you get a pen. It's 8 six, seven, nine, three, oh, nine. I got that joke wrong. That was bad. Um, at Ben creations asks, why do we appear to be so undisciplined offensively after game after game, whether it's a critical penalty, bad overthrow or unblocked pass rushers? Um, it's a, I sound like a coach here. It's a combination of a lot of things. It's the players. It's the coaching. It's practice. It's also being on the road in some tough environments. Um, I know there were some issues with linemen not being able to hear uh, Bo Nix clap uh, before the snap or, or for the snap. Some of them were anticipating things. Um, and that happens in road environments. The problem is, is that should not happen with an offensive line stacked up with five senior players but I, I i was told by someone that the offensive line uh couldn't hear bo nix's clapping at times i asked gus malzahn about that and he said no that wasn't it and then gave a convoluted answer i don't know i'm kind of ex exasperated as you sometimes because i hear these things and then i'm told things and you ask a question and you get a non-answer and you're just kind of like okay Whatever, move on, I guess. But yeah, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. But it's it's completely um, uncalled for with a senior offensive line. That, that, that stuff should not be happening. And, and it's killed Auburn. It's just killed them at LSU and at Florida. And then you also have, you know, the plays, you know, when they actually do snap the ball, you know. Uh, there's been breakdowns, so... Troy McHitchens, in your opinion, is Nix's inaccuracy, Bo Nix's inaccuracy more of a home road issue or more of a good defense, bad defense issue? Okay, here we go again. I'm going to, it's a mix of all that. It's a combination of those things. Um, I, I think, I, I think, he, I think he's nervous out there. He's not going to say it. Gus Malzahn's not going to say it. And, Everybody keeps saying Bo Nix is prepared for these moments. I mean, he's a freshman. You just watch him while he's playing. You could tell he's making errors that 
because of his talent, he shouldn't be making. It's it's meant some mental stuff there. Um, but it, it's he's faced some good defenses. Florida's defense is really good. LSU's defense is really good. LSU's defense on paper was the second best defense Auburn's faced this season. A lot of people didn't know that or think that because LSU had allowed a lot of points to be scored, like at Vanderbilt or whatever. But they got they're pretty healthy now and they're in the top twenty five defense. So, but Auburn's also had in history under Gus Malzahn just not performing well against good defenses on the road, whether they're average or great. That's just how it's happened. So, yes, it's a combination of things. But I'll say this. Completing 41.9% of your passes, throwing four interceptions against Florida and LSU combined, it's just not going to cut it. you got to get better than that. And that's that's why you're hearing so many people clamoring for Joey Gatewood at quarterback. Right or wrong? Uh, at Brent Burks 85 asks, when are we going to win those championship Gus just promised us? And which sport was he referring to? Um, uh, he, he has said that several times, but I'm sure you're specifically mentioning that he said that we're going to be champions. Uh, he told that to the team, apparently, after the game. I wonder, though, when he said that, if he actually meant like as champions as far as handling this situation. Because, I mean, Auburn's not mathematically eliminated from the SEC race, but they pretty much are. I mean, LSU has to lose three of their next four SEC games. Um, and Alabama's got to lose two, including one to Auburn. And Auburn's got to win out. That's just, that doesn't seem possible at this moment. Um, but I'll say this. I mean, 10-win season's still possible. It really is. <laughs> Sorry, I got a little cold or something going on, and so I'm sorry for all the sniffling. Elliot Gendel asks, is Herb Hand the worst hire Gus Malzahn has ever made? He barely recruited anyone and never developed players he got, and now Auburn's paying the price for it. You know, I, I, maybe. I think the problem sometimes in this profession is you go off and you hire friends, and it doesn't usually work out sometimes sometimes you gotta go hire the best person for the job and you know Gus did that with Kevin Steele at defensive coordinator and look at the defense these last four seasons you go hire your friend Herb Hand who you coach alongside with when you were a coordinator at Tulsa you know a decade ago and then you don't recruit very well but J.B. Grimes his last year here before he returned the year before Herb Hand got here, didn't recruit very well that year. So, you know, it's it's a common the combination thing again. But it, it's it's that it's it's that last year under J.B. Grimes combined with the Herb Hand era, and the recruiting just wasn't there. Auburn doesn't quite have the personnel that they need on the offensive line. And next season, I. Listen, people are going to say the off. I mean, it's going to get worse because it's all new players. It might not. It might actually be better because of the new players. But the problem is, you don't want to be in that situation where you have to ch- you have to count on five new starters along the offensive line, maybe four because it looks like it's possible Nick Brahms might take over for Caleb Kim at center. 
this week against Ole Miss. And, of course, Brahms is an underclassman. But we'll see. Um, but is Herb Hand the worst hire? It's up there, man. It is. He likes barbecue, though. At just me two seven seven asks, is Bo Nix a better passer than Jeremy Johnson was? Oh goodness, oh boy. Uh, yes, definitely. At Corey Parsons thirty asks, why do you hate Auburn so bad? I'm just kidding. In your opinion, what do you think is wrong with the offense besides the obvious things? Well, the obvious things is what's wrong. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how else to answer that uh, besides the obvious things. Um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take maybe take some heat for this. I actually think Gus Malzahn has called some pretty good games this year on offense. The, the execution just hasn't quite been there. Um, I think what Gus really needs, though. And it might be someone who's already on staff, whether it's Cody Burns or Kenny Dillingham. He really needs to upgrade his passing concepts. That's my one real criticism of this offense. He's got to upgrade his passing concepts. Because it's just, it's, I'm not going to say it's elementary. That's like insulting. But it's a little too simple and predictable, and it's not winning football. He's got to upgrade the passing concepts, and uh, maybe Dillingham could do that. Maybe Cody Burns can do that, or maybe he needs to bring someone else in and open his his head up to these new ideas. But that's up to Gus Malzahn. The thing is, is Gus Malzahn's offense is so specific on what they do in the passing game. I don't know if it's, I mean, it's everything, anything's possible. But I don't know if it's easy to change those passing concepts within his offense because of how his offense is run and how it's been run throughout the years. But I think, I think that's the number one thing for Gus. Um, he's really got to upgrade the passing concepts. It, it's, it's just not good stuff. It's just not. You know, it really isn't. And I would have said the same thing after Arkansas and the Mississippi State game. I think we can all see it. Uh, I'll get back to your questions here, but first we need to take a commercial break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. You know, I was talking about passing concepts before the break there. Look at LSU. They brought in Joe Brady this past year to work with a veteran offensive staff, and they changed things in the passing game. And Joe Burrow went from a 57% completion percentage or whatever it was. It wasn't great last season to 78 point whatever percent this season. And he's thrown all these touchdown passes, 30 plus touchdowns. I mean, something like that's got to happen at Auburn. Okay. Back to your questions. Um, Callie for shizzle. <laughs> asks, what exactly do you think happens at the end of the killing joke? Also, does a two-loss Auburn team have a better chance than a one-loss Oklahoma? Um, what exactly do I think happens in the killing joke? Um, you know, in the killing joke, for those of you who don't care, you're probably tuning out now, but it, the killing joke is a famous comic that was done in the 80s with... Um, Batman and Joker, and Joker's really trying to push Batman to his pushing his tipping point. Um, it's like some controversial stuff, like shoots and paralyzes Barbara Gordon, Jim Gordon's daughter, and and he's really trying to break Jim Gordon and kind of ruin everything around Batman. Anyway, at the end of it. Joker tells, you know, all this stuff's happened in Batman's corner, Joker. and Joker, like, tells a joke, right? And, uh, you know, Joker tells jokes, but no one laughs at them because they're not really funny. That's not the point. They're funny to him, but they're not funny to anybody else. And Batman starts laughing, like, uncontrollably laughing. And then in the comic, the panels, like, kind of just pan down. And it's raining, and it pans down to their shadows in a puddle and then the laughter stops um and so a lot lot of comic book fans wonder if joker actually won in the sense that the laughing stopped because batman broke his rule which is no killing and he ended up snapping joker's neck or breaking his neck or strangling him or something because the laughing stopped between the two of them um, there's, I think here, I don't think there's one true answer, obviously. I think everybody knows that. That's why they do things like that. They make you think, I think the best movies and comics and pieces of literature make you think afterwards about interpreting what something means. And for me, it can be interpreted several different ways, obviously, but for me, the way I interpreted it was, um, that they're both just insane, Batman and and uh, Joker, but in different ways, opposite ends of the spectrum. But what they share is their their insanity. They are just completely insane. So I don't necessarily believe that uh, Batman kills a Joker. I think that's just more or less the pitter-pattering of the rain in the puddle as it pans down or whatever, so to speak, as uh, the laughing continues and then it stops. It's just the rain. It's just lost in the rain. 
everything's remains the same because these two guys in the end deacon you deconstruct it they're both insane people and they batman realizes that even more so in connecting with the joker you know a lot of people think that batman breaks his neck or does whatever because right before he like pans down like Batman's laughing so hard and he gets close to Joker and like puts his hand on his shoulder like like for stability like oh man that was a good joke and then uses that to break his neck or whatever. I literally think it's it's Batman finally breaking within himself and then Joker wins and Bat and Batman's laughing hysterically because he realizes we're both insane. So anyway, okay now back to Auburn. <laughs> Does an Auburn, two-loss Auburn have a better chance than one-loss Oklahoma? Um, yes. Because it depends on what Kansas State does the rest of the way, but yeah, I would think so. Um, obviously, that means Auburn wins out. Um, that means wins against Alabama and Georgia. The problem here's the problem though. Yeah, I have yeah. Auburn's not in a vacuum. There's other teams. So, what if Georgia? Okay, what if Florida wins the SEC East with one loss, and then wins the SEC against LSU or Alabama? Does that help Auburn? I don't. I don't know. I I don't know. We'll talk about that later if it happens or gets close to happening. You know, let's say they beat Georgia and Ole Miss coming up. But right as it stands right now, guy, man, I, I don't know. It depend. Like I said, Auburn's not in a vacuum. Uh, Lee's teeth, <laughs> Lee's teeth, asks if if the Auburn defense is facing a third and twelve, should they commit consecutive offsides penalties to get that down to a more manageable third and two? <laughs> I know, nice joke. Um, I, obviously, uh, Lee's teeth here is just insinuating that for whatever reason, Auburn just struggles on third and long on defense, and these teams keep converting. Um, you know, maybe just because Auburn's strength is that run defense, and teams are more apt to want to run in on third and two or third and one. And obviously, Auburn had some big stops against LSU on third and short, and obviously on fourth and short. They had a turnover on downs, and obviously a turnover on downs inside the uh, two-yard line on a fourth and goal. Uh, Auburn's defensive line's legit. You might have something there, but I don't think any coach wants to take that chance. You want to be in third and long no matter what, um, even if it seems like your defense isn't quite there um, as as much as you want it to be on third and long. Uh, Avery Thorne asked, do you think Auburn's offense is actually in a position to take a step forward in November? Or has the personnel more or less reached its potential? Yeah, it'll take a step forward in November because they're going to be at home. They perform better at home. They're about to face an Ole Miss team that's not as good. So they're going to put up some good numbers. At least they should. should. And, and listen, they're a different team at home than they are on the road. We've already seen that this season. Has the personnel reached its potential? No, it hasn't. I mean, Bo Nix hasn't reached its potential. Uh, the running game hasn't hit its potential. Um, and with DJ Williams busting on the scene here after – 130 rushing yards and, and 21 uh, yards um, uh, on two catches and was just named the SEC Freshman of the Week at LSU. Um, I think the running game could improve too. So I, I think, yes, the offense could definitely take a step forward here in November. 
because all the games are at home. Um, Keith asks, what happened to Hastings, Will Hastings? He's a great slot receiver. Quick over the middle to him for 8 to 10 yards would work often. Well, Will Hastings has a tendency to disappear against some of these big opponents, these big-time opponents. Secondly, Gus Malzahn said Sunday that he was injured. Um, he said he had an injury of some sort. He wouldn't say exactly what. Well, I could only, you know, assume. Uh, yeah, he had an injury last week at practice and was limited. And then he said before the game uh, at LSU during warm-ups, he jammed his finger pretty good is what he said. So I don't know. I guess he just wasn't healthy for LSU. Josh asks, how do you turn the two-minute offense into the 60-minute offense? <laughs> uh, Josh, I think you run two-minute uh, the entire game, right? That's the only way to do it. Um, yeah, I'm sure you're talking about Auburn's last two drives where they're running two-minute and has success. A lot goes into that. It's not Auburn's not necessarily just being, you know, you know, all of a sudden they're executing very well because they're in a two-minute offense. They're executing well because LSU's backing off a little bit. They're expecting the pass. They're doing some things. So Auburn could hit some more underneath routes. They can run some different things. But also during that time, Seth Williams, of course, had an incredible like one-handed catch down the sideline on a scramble by Bo Nix, just throwing it up for a prayer. But, um, yeah. I, I wouldn't look at those two-minute offensive drills at the end of the game as something like, well, that's what Auburn needs to be doing all the time. Well, they need to be moving the ball all the time, but they can't do it that way in a game because de the defense will be playing differently in those you know, other you know, 52 minutes of the game or whatever. Okay. Grant asks, if Bo Nix struggles against Ole Miss, is there any chance Joey Gatewood gets extended playing time? Um, that's a loaded question. Gus Malzahn seems intent on sticking with Bo Nix, and I, I don't see any changes there. Though Gus Malzahn did say, hey, we're going to do what we have to do to win, but, you know, Bo's their guy. Could you see more of Joey Gatewood? I just don't see it. Now, here, here's the thing, though. Anything's possible in this world, right? If Auburn loses to Ole Miss, and a lot of the reason why they lose to Ole Miss is because, let's say, Bo Nix throws a pick six, throws two more other interceptions, and throws for like 100 yards or something. Yeah, you could probably see a change at quarterback, but Gus is very reluctant to change things at quarterback. Could you see more Joey Gatewood in packages? Maybe. But I'm a, I can only judge Gus based off his history, and history says no. And our last question comes from Adam Brewer. Was our recruitment of Kelly Bryant because we knew we would have this type of quarterback play that we're seeing today? Um, Adam, not necessarily. I mean, there's no way to predict the future. But the common sense at the time, and even now, obviously, is that Kelly Bryant a seasoned player who's played in big games at Clemson is going to be more ready to play in the SEC than a true freshman Bo Nix or a redshirt freshman Joey Gatewood. So that's why they went after Kelly Bryant for a one-year fix to kind of allow Bo Nix to grow in this offense for a year instead of having to learn on the go. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's why they went after Kelly Bryant. 
But Kelly Bryant wanted to go to Missouri. He felt like he was a better fit for him and that he would get better training there to get ready for the NFL. Um, and, and that's why he chose Mizzou over Auburn, though he was seriously, seriously considering Auburn. Would things be different right now if Kelly Bryant was here? Maybe. They, they, they may have beaten LSU. They may have beaten Florida. They may have beaten both. But there's no way of telling. They may have still lost to Oregon. I mean, it's a lot of hypotheticals, guys. But, yes, I mean, Auburn really, really wanted Kelly Bryant. I mean, you ask any team. They'd rather start, you know, a graduate transfer over a freshman, true freshman, or a redshirt freshman usually. And um, that's just the way it goes. So... But it's going to be an interesting week, guys. Auburn versus Ole Miss. Does Auburn's offense bounce back? Um, does Bo Nix bounce back? What happens with Booby Whitlow and DJ Williams? Whitlow's still not 100% recovered from that knee surgery, but he came back against LSU, as we reported Friday, that he was going to be at the game and had been medically cleared even just less than three weeks after his arthroscopic knee surgery. I don't think he's going to play a lot this week. I, I wouldn't think so. He's going to play, I'm sure. But it, wouldn't it be nice to see, like, DJ Williams kind of be the lead back and then, like, Booby be the, like, third down back or Wildcat quarterback in situations? And that's kind of how they go moving forward until, like, Booby is completely healthy. Might be something to try. I don't know. We'll see. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Go to auburn.247sports.com and subscribe today. Got some special news coming for subscribers. If you're a VIP subscriber, you're about to have some big news. Um, and, of course, we got free stuff up there all the time as well, including this podcast. So, anyway, thanks for listening. We'll try to do a roundtable podcast with the entire Auburn 24-7 crew this, later this week. I'm Brandon Marcello. And as always, I'll see you down the road. No one has it covered like 24-7 sports. Go undercover with Auburn Undercover. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!